Hey, good morning, Lifehouse. I'm so happy to have our founding pastor, Dan Hicks, and his wife, Brenda, with us this morning. Dan and Brenda planted our church 10 years prior to mine and Kelly's arrival in 2007. As a church, one of our values here is the value of generosity, and that value has actually been a part of the DNA of this church from the very beginning. It was through their leadership that they have put us in a position to be completely debt-free, and it's because of them that we have this amazing, beautiful facility that we get to meet, meet in each and every week. But beyond all of those things, they are really just amazing pastors and have a heart and compassion for those who are far from Jesus. Will you stand this morning, Lifehouse, and will you welcome Pastor Dan Hicks? Look at all of you, most of whom I do not know. Isn't that amazing? But uh, it's a joy to be here, and uh, it's re really dangerous for you because I am loaded with all kinds of memories and things that are just so much a part of the, just the, the infrastructure of who you are today. And I, I just think that uh, Ryan and Kelly are doing such a wonderful job, and uh, they are, uh, of course, on sabbatical, and uh, I wondered what Ryan might have been drinking or eating when he called me and asked me to start his sabbatical season by being here with you, but uh, I, uh, I look for every opportunity I can to come back to San Antonio, and uh, I love this town, and it's so filled with memories. I'll share some of that with you, but you know what I think it'd be really important to do is, you know... Ryan and Kelly are starting sabbatical, and uh, some, some of you may wonder, well, what does that mean? What it, in short, it means it's an opportunity for he and her to have their soul restored. This has been a tough year on pastors, and um, I've been so thankful that I've not been a lead pastor during this past, oh, 18 months or so, because it's been very demanding on pastors, and uh, I, I know the, the, the load that it, how do you lead when your people can't come together? You know, okay, you make all this shift to technology and to digital stuff, and, and how do you try to build a church when you're trying to stay disconnected? You know, I, go figure that one out. And uh, so I know that it's been tough on pastors, and uh, I'm thankful that they're taking some time to be able to um, have their soul restored. In fact, I think it'd be a good thing for us just to pray for them right now. And um, Father, I thank you that uh, Ryan and Kelly are, they're leading so well. And uh, they've invested um, the life that you've invested into them. They're investing into this place and these people and this town. And now, Lord, I would pray that as they are away for this season of sabbatical, that they would encounter you in new ways, in ways of uh, discovering uh, fresh application of your life for them personally, and then how that would be um, spelled out in what they do and who you call them to be. We pray your blessing would be upon them. And they not just be rested, but Lord, restored. Even like the Psalm says, restore my soul. We pray that there would come that restoration for Ryan and Kelly Coffee. We thank you for them. Let them know your blessing and your favor, which is for a lifetime. 
In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 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 Well, yes, a lot of history here that uh, you uh, are the um, harvest of a whole lot of what God promised. In fact, I I brought for Ryan uh, out of my file a a construction news newspaper. If there's any contractors in the uh, crowd, you know construction news, and it was about the building of this place that made that, and I brought that for Ryan to read and look at, but there's there's so much rich history here, and uh, Brenda and I have just, you know, the Lord just gave us an opportunity to do something that was not, in our part, predicted at all, but just to come here, and I, I remember um, so many mornings just before anything existed here, before any of these parking lots were milled out and uh, just a hillside of rocks and coming here and preaching at 5.30 in the morning when nobody was here on the hillside, believing that God was going to do something. And uh, I can't tell you the number of early mornings that I would stand at the top of the hill and just preach my sermon for that day. We were meeting at that time uh, we may have been over on Fredericksburg Road uh, at Church of Christ over there. We were so many places before we landed here. But when we saw this property and God gave it to us, a remarkable story, just the, the way the Lord put that all together and, and how the, the, the pricing broke down and we wound up buying it for less than it was offered for. And God just did miracle things and... Uh, what I said in last service is that as we are here, what you don't know, uh, there may be two or three of you that know, that right under where I'm standing, about 14 feet down into the foundation, is a Bible. That when we poured the foundation of this place, we knew that this would be the primary place where the word of God would be being proclaimed week after week after week. And we poured that into the foundation of this place. If you got a jackhammer and you were able to get down that far, you'd find a very nicely plastic wrapped Bible that we planted into this place. And these walls, before they were ever finished, written all over the walls are scriptures and proclamations, prophetic words about children and just stuff all over this place that God has been so faithful for all these years. And this isn't my first time back here, but all the times I get to come back, I get to see more and more evidence that what God promised is in fact true. That's the kind of God we serve. Aren't you thankful for him? It's just so, so, so fun to be a part of what God is doing. And so it's so special for, for Brendan and me to be here. And, um, mentioning the significance of not just all of that, but then again back to this last year and what uh, a challenging year it has been. I begin to ask myself a question when I knew I was coming to share with you today. Lord, what would you say to, to your people as, as we're moving closer and closer to stepping out of a pandemic kind of environment what would be the role of the church in, in a culture, in an environment that needs healing? Because I, I don't know if you're reading the same things I read or listen to the same things that I listen to, but what I'm hearing is that 
there's a whole lot of healing necessary, not just the healing of the pandemic itself. We, we've been praying about that all year, but what about people who've lost their businesses? The financial losses, the, the, the impact. I read the other day, and it was just so disturbing that the divorce rate, how it's gone so much higher during COVID because of relational challenge and difficulties and personal impact. You may never have had COVID, but you were impacted. We all were. And what it does is it postures us in a place saying, Lord, we need healing. So in a, in a pandemic world, we're, we're thinking out loud. And, and the question that I pose for us is, will we be bringers of healing to a pandemic world or a post-pandemic world? Or maybe even before we answer that question, are we willing to receive the healing that God has for us? You know, to be a healer needs to be a person who's been healed. To, to go through something in order to be empathetic and capacitated to reach others, it, it's always strengthened when we've gone through something ourselves. And I, I believe God has healing for you this morning, for whatever you might be walking through, whatever the, maybe you're the neighbor that needs somebody to come over and pray for you so that you can be the neighbor that goes and prays for somebody else. I think God has us on that kind of a trajectory this morning. So if you're, if you're willing to be on God's radar screen this morning, just raise your hand and say, I'm, I'm up for that. God can do whatever he wants to do in my life today because that's what he wants to do. He's that kind of a God. And so as we think about the, the question, will we be, become bringers of healing? We, we want to try to answer that question from the word of God. And uh, we're going to be looking at Proverbs this morning. But before we get into Proverbs, um, as we think about this question, you know what a proverb is. A proverb is kind of a, a short, pithy little statement. Uh, it's kind of a, a saying that sometimes will give instruction. Sometimes it'll uh, tell you how to live life. That's what a proverb is. And um, we know a lot of proverbs. You know proverbs uh, whether they're out of the Bible or not, there's a lot of Proverbs. And uh, in fact, the scripture says that Solomon, who's the writer of the Proverbs in scripture, in 1 Kings it says he wrote over 3,000 Proverbs. And he also penned over 1,000 songs. I don't know what else the guy did, you know, besides write songs and quote Proverbs. But this morning we're gonna be looking into Proverbs. And before we got there, or get there, I thought it'd be um, a good kind of interactive uh, ice-breaking opportunity for us. Since you don't know me, and I don't know you very well, I just thought it'd be good for us to think about this whole idea of Proverbs for a little bit. And um, I came across a, a list of very well-known Proverbs that um, first graders responded to. And uh, so the beginning of a proverb was presented to first graders, and then they finished it with their answer to what it was. I thought, well, let's do a little test this morning and see if you're as smart as a first, first grader, okay? <laughs> so that means you're going to have to 
respond to me, which you'll find easy to do because these are Proverbs that you know. I know you know them very well. For instance, first Proverbs, you finish it. Strike while the iron Right. Well, that's not what a first grader said. Strike while the bug is close. Right? Makes perfect good sense. All right? All right, you failed the first one. Let's see if you can muster up your first grade intelligence. Here we go. It's always darkest before. First graders, it's always darkest before daylight saving time. Right? Isn't that true? These first graders are smart. They are smart. And you're getting there. All right? Don't change horses. We've all heard that that's what it was, but no. First grader says, don't change horses while they're still running. (laughs) It makes perfect sense to me. I've ridden a lot of horses, and I can tell you, don't change while they're running. All right? If at first you don't... No, if at first you don't succeed, change the batteries. <laughs> That's first grade logic. They've got it down. Now, here's the one. You know, if you miss this one, then we'll have a real session of prayer for you. Okay? Children should be seen and not... Children should be seen and not spanked or grounded. <laughs> right? That's what a first grader says. Well, you've, you've done pretty well. We'll um, hold the prayer for you later. So Solomon has written these Proverbs, and the proverb I want us to look at this morning is probably one of the most famous passages in the Scripture, not just the Proverbs, but certainly all of Scripture. And you know it very well. Some of you have probably memorized it. And I want you to stand with me. We're going to read it together off the screen because I believe in, in, I believe in proclaiming the Word of God with confidence. And so let's read together Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. Ready? Go. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not to your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge Him and He shall direct your paths. Now turn to somebody next to you and say, that's really good advice. (laughs) Go ahead and be seated. Well, you know, one of the things I've found about this passage of Scripture, as well as others, is that it's easy to memorize and commit it to memory, but it's easier to forget what it means. We, we, we know scripture. How many of you have ever memorized John 3.16? Sure. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son. We know that. But how many of you know it's also really good to stop and take time and think about what's that really saying and the impact it has on my life. And so I come to this proverb that tells me to trust in the Lord with all of my heart. Well, let's just start right there and see if we can take a deeper dive into this proverb and try to find an answer for the question that we're asking of the morning, will you be a bringer of healing 
to a world that needs healed. Your neighborhood, your workplace, your school. I mean, you wherever your world is, will you be a bringer of healing to that location, to that situation, to that family? And again, going back to what my original statement was, maybe you're one that needs that healing today. And I believe the Lord will bring that to you as well. So we want to work on that. And as we look at these these thoughts in this proverb, there's four words I want you to say with me. Say with me, entirely, Entirely. exclusively, Exclusively. exactly, Exactly. expectantly. It all begins with ease. That's the way I was trained. I'm sorry. I, I can't get away from it. So let's learn to set our trust in the Lord in light of those four words as we unpack this Proverbs together. Okay, the opening command is to trust in the Lord. Now that, that's a loaded statement in and of itself because it's suggesting a whole lot of things that perhaps we have forgotten, that we haven't spent time thinking on very seriously. The whole idea of trusting is to find a place of refuge. That's what that word trust means, that the place is so secure that you can grow confident to do what the Lord wants you to do. That your trust in the Lord is so preserved and protected and sheltered in this relationship that you have with him that you are then capacitated confidently to do what his calling in your life might be all about. So that's the idea of trusting so that we are to place our confidence in the Lord. Now, the interesting, interesting thing about this is that this is not optional. This is a form of the language of Scripture. It's called an imperative. It is a command. In other words, the way I interpret that is for Christ followers, it's not optional. It's mandatory that we are to trust in the Lord. So putting our trust in the Lord to firmly believe in his reliability, to firmly believe in his strength, his capacity, is something that requires that we know who that person is. You cannot trust someone you don't know. You may have an acquaintance, but to fully trust, to have a confidence that you can rely on them, you really need to know that person. So when I read this scripture, it reminds me, how am I doing in my relationship with Jesus? Is he just someone I know about? Or is there some level of of relationship intimacy that's growing and increasing so that I can trust him? So it says to trust in who? The Lord. In the scriptures, that's Yahweh. Trust in Yahweh, who is the eternal one. John the Revelator said, He is the Alpha and the Omega. He's the beginning, He's the end, He's the one that we are to 
place our trust in, trusting in the Lord. I love what Isaiah says about this in um, Eugene Peterson's translation of the message. He writes in Isaiah 46, these words about this God, this Yahweh that we are to trust in. Here's what he says. Remember your history, God says, your long and rich history. I am God, the only God you've had or ever will have, incomparable, irreplaceable. From the very beginning, telling you what the ending will be all along, letting you in on what is going to happen, assuring you that I'm in this for the long haul, long haul and I'll do exactly what I set out to do. Why would you want to trust anyone else other than that kind of God? The one who is fully committed to you. And that's all along the way, the journey of your life. That's the God that we're to trust. So we, we see who he is. We see why we should trust him because of the supreme ruler of the, ruler of the universe that he is. But how do we trust him? So I want to look at setting our trust in the Lord, four different expressions of that in terms of creating the environment for healing to happen in us and for healing to happen through us to others around us. So we set our trust in the Lord entirely. The first part of verse number five says to trust in the Lord with all of your heart. With all of your heart. What does the word all mean? All. It's really not hard. It's everything. With the complete, full expression of who I am. Not half-heartedly. I don't trust in the Lord when it's convenient. Or when things are going good. Trusting in the Lord with all of your heart. Trusting in the Lord when there's nothing on the hillside. Trusting in the Lord when half of these neighborhoods were not even developed yet 25 years ago. But God was saying, do something there. And trusting in that eternal Yahweh, that, that one who sees the beginning from the end. And, and it's such a delight as we sing the songs about the, the goodness of the Lord chasing after us. Well, that's what God's been doing for all these years. And here you are, the evidence of the goodness of God. I, I, it just makes me so thrilled to, to see the evidence of this. Well, that's the whole idea to trust in that kind of God with all of our heart, with complete confidence that he knows what he's doing, even when we don't. How many of you ever thought you don't know what you're doing? Well, that's the way I live. Like, what is going on? I, I can't figure this out. What, why has it happened this way? What, why did that take place? And all of these questions are very interesting because we are all inclined to try to ask God, why are you doing that? Why are you doing it that way? 
But I I found out that when God asks me a question, he's not looking for me to try to answer all those why and what and how questions. He just wants to know, will I answer yes or no? If God asked the question that I posed this morning, will you be a bringer of healing to a post-pandemic world in your neighborhood, in your work environment, wherever you may be, will you be a bringer of healing? God is not expecting you to say, well, what do you mean by healing? He's not ready to answer the question, why are you asking me? No, if God asks the question, all he wants to know is, do we have a heart to say yes or no? Will I be a person that he will heal? Do I want his healing? Yes, I do. Will I be a bringer of healing? I want to do that. So that becomes very important in in the overall motivation of all of this is I want to do what God wants me to do. So I'm going to set my trust in Yahweh entirely, not just half-heartedly. But not only that, I want to set my trust in him exclusively. Trust in the Lord with all of your heart and lean. Everybody say lean. Okay, that's a really important word. And it's one of those fascinating words in the original language that means to support yourself, to to rely on, to, to rest fully on. For for a long time after I got off the walker, I was walking with a cane. And if you've never walked on a cane, you, you rely on it. You, you lean on it. And, and I, I wasn't able to lean with full reliance because the kind of cane I had was one of the telescoping ones that has a little push button. And, and I wasn't sure it was going to hold me. So I wasn't feeling real good about it. I would rather have a solid cane. But that's the idea, to lean fully, depending, resting upon the Lord. Lean not, don't rely on, don't rest on your understanding. Now, God is not telling us to check our brains at the door. He's not telling us that we're, in spite of our first grade proverb test. He's not telling us that we're dummies, okay? He, he, he says, I want you to take whatever you're thinking, whatever your inclination is, whatever your feeling might be about a situation, and I want you to submit it to me. Rely on me to take whatever is going on in you, whatever machinations in your own mind, your heart, Some of them might be right, some of them might be wrong, but submit them to me because he's the Lord. He's the one in charge. So in all of your ways, set your trust on him entirely, but do it exclusively. He's the only one that has all the answers. Here's breaking news, write it down. God is never wrong. God is never wrong. Regarding your life or whatever's going on in you or what he designs to happen through you, he is never wrong. And so if we can understand that we set our trust on him exclusively, that we we don't lean on our own wisdom, our own ability. 
And it doesn't mean that God hasn't given you smarts and stuff to think about. He has. But when we take all of that and we say, now, Lord, here's, here's what I'm thinking. Here, here's what I want you to help me with. Because your word says that you're a very present help in a time of trouble. And I'm, I'm a little troubled about how I'm going to process this. I'm not sure what I should do. So Lord, here's what I'm thinking. Here's what I'm feeling. Here's what my inclination is. Will you help me with this? And so we're leaning, relying upon him to give us the direction. Somebody says, well, I just, I've just learned to follow my heart. Well, that's stupid. Sorry. It is. Follow my heart. Jeremiah says the heart is desperately wicked and deceitful above anything else. Who can know their heart? No, I want the Lord to, David was a man after God's heart. God knew that. See, we we have this whole thing of this mixture of who we are, who God has made us to be, our processing, but that when we begin to lean on our capacity, our ability, then we're getting off the rails a little bit. The Lord is wanting us to dig deep into this proverb when it comes to answering the question about our, our need to be healed and our need to be processing his grace in us and through us. He said, don't lean on your understanding. Set your trust entirely on him. Set your trust exclusively on the Lord. And then set your trust on him exactly. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not to your own understanding. And there's two words in there. Ways and paths. Those are plural words. And those words that show up in this, this, ta- this passage remind us that God is not just talking about the big pathway of life that he wants us to walk down. He said, look, there's a big pathway of life, but I want to be with you every step of the way. That's why in all of your ways, acknowledge him. And he will direct your paths. And so what I hear him saying is those individual steps that we're taking toward wherever he's directing our life on that pathway that we're walking with him on, he said, look, I want to be with you at every step. But if you will set your trust on him exactly, and that you'll acknowledge that he's God all the time, not just on Sunday. He's not just God when you need an OMG expression. He, he is God all the time, and he is present. He is with you. I'm with you always, he said, even to the end of the age. You're not going to be left alone. So, so God is truly with us. His presence is here. His existence is here all the time. He knows the beginning from the end. He's the alpha, the omega. That's the God who's calling us to put our trust in him. And if we can rely on that, 
because we have this relationship with him and we're growing in that, then, then we discover that in the process, he is declaring himself Lord over all of our lives, over all of our decisions, over all the steps we're taking, and in all of our steps, our ways, he's right there, right there with us, every step of the direction. And then with that precision, we acknowledge him. We know him. How many of you think God knows more than you know? Was that news to anybody? I mean, he's knowledgeable. He, he's got it all down. And so we look to know him. If we know him, then we will tap into the things that he knows. He's not reluctant to share that with us. God wants us to know those things. So as we know him, we grow in the knowledge and we take our steps then in the light of that knowledge that we have from knowing the Lord. The bottom line that we come to is then how much of a role does God play in our life? Are we gonna set our trust in him entirely? We're gonna set our trust on him exclusively. We're gonna set our trust on him exactly, and then we can expect something to happen. And the expectation is that he will guide and direct all your steps in the daily walk that you're in. That that's the promise that's contained in this proverb. He will direct your paths if we trust him entirely. He will direct your paths if you trust him exclusively. Don't trust him and then trust the idea that you had. No, it's an idea that you had that you've submitted to him so you can keep trusting him and then you stay exactly on point with him that he's the one with you all the time. His existence, his presence, his lordship is just speaking all into your life all of the time and you don't have to become religious weird to do that. You just be who you are. But because of your relationship, it's growing wonderfully. And then here's what he said he'll do. He'll smooth out the path in front of you. How many of you have ever been on a path for a while and it seems like you just, every day is another hurdle. Something else in your way. Something else that you just, where'd that come from? But here's the promise. If you trust in the Lord the way that he's saying then his promise is to smooth that out, to take care of that for you. One of the things I enjoy um, watching, I've never been on an African safari, but I love the thought. Our oldest daughter went on a safari once and uh, brought back a bazillion pictures. And it's just, I, I would love to do that sometime. I'm not so, one of the questions I have is, what keeps those lions from jumping in the truck? When you're driving around that open vehicle, you know, you're tootling along, and I mean, they're chasing an Impala, and they, maybe they decide, well, I want a person. What keeps them from doing that? I, I don't know. Sometimes I think, are these trained lions? You know, what keeps them out of the truck? Well, well that's a whole other discussion. But the whole thing of African safaris, is, is a fascinating thing to me. But so imagine with me, take, let's go on an imaginary safari. Are you, are you up for this? Okay, you have your hat on, got your water, water bottle. 
So we're all in the truck. We've gone about 35, 40 miles out from camp. Out in the brush, we've seen the elephants. We've seen the leopards, which are harder to see than the lions. And it's just been fascinating. It's been a, a good trip. You've seen, actually, a, a lion take down another animal. It's just fascinating stuff. But then the truck breaks down. You're out in the middle of the bush now. 35 miles from safety. Camp is 35 miles away. The way to get back there is to walk. 35 miles through the brush. Open brush. Wild animals. You've seen them already kill something. You wonder if you're next. The truck is broken down. And so here... The native experienced guide says to you, well, we have to leave now to get back to camp before dark, and I'm not sure we'll make it before dark. And when it gets dark, safari gets really interesting. So, so we, we've got to make it back. We, we need to leave now. So everybody out of the truck, grab your water bottle, here we go, just follow me. I'll get you there safely. Now we've got a pretty intelligent group here. We're all following the guide, but some of us are gonna begin to think, does he really know what he's doing? Is he gonna get me back safely? Or why did he take us this way? Because my compass said that the camp is that way and he's got us going this way and we start questioning the guide. Then we start talking among ourselves. Do you think he really knows what he's doing? Are we really safe? Maybe we ought to go our way. Because I'm not sure he's ever done this before. He's always been in a truck. Look, stick with me. I had survival training. We'll get back. No. We're going to follow that guide because he's done this many times. He's experienced. He knows what to expect. He knows how to get us around whatever we need to get around. It would be crazy for us to question the guide. It'd be insane to say, I'm not going to follow you because you aren't capable of getting me where I'm going. Well, who is if he isn't? Don't look at me. I'm along for the ride. I need somebody to get me there. Trust in the Lord. With everything you have. He knows how to get you there. He knows how to avoid the pitfalls. He knows how to smooth the road out in front of you so that when you come to that place, and maybe you're at that point even today, at the end of a long season, you're saying, look, I'm not even ready to bring healing to somebody because I need something done in me. I need the power of this universe creating God to do something in me. I need that Jehovah Rapha power to come my direction before I can ever think about reaching to somebody else. Well, that's the proposition for us this morning. To set our trust in the Lord because he cares for you. He knows everything you're going through. He knows what's coming tomorrow that you don't know. 
and that we can learn to set our trust in him. Not just memorize a scripture, but rely on him. Rest confidently in him. How many of you know there's enough going on that can shake anybody's confidence these days? There's a lot going on. And our confidence is very subjective. It's all about what we're going through. And sometimes what we're going through doesn't measure up to what we thought was going to be. We need to set our trust in the Lord because he's going to get us through whatever we need to get through. So I want to pray together with you.